Welcome to the Journey Companion Ministries podcast. My name is Eric Siepen, and I am one of the pastors at the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. The following podcasts are conversations between myself and my mother, Patty Siepen. If you'd like to know more about Journey Companion Ministries, you can look at the information section of this podcast and click the links available. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. So welcome to the Journey Companions Ministry Podcast. My name is Eric Siepen and I am with my mother, Patty Siepen. And we're, this is a brand new podcast with a whole brand new channel. And uh, Journey Companion Ministries is my mother and father's ministry that you've been doing for how many years? Since 86. Eight, since 1986. Wow. And it, it includes... What we're going to talk about today, which is called Learning to Love the Master, includes things like Potter's Wheel 1 and 2, which are discipleship, soul care, instruction kinds of things, intensives. It includes different kinds of weekend retreats. It includes sanctuaries, which were, I mean, that I don't know if you guys are doing anymore, but it did. You would bring in missionaries and people who were struggling with things into your home for an intensive counseling time, right? For like a week or Four days. Four days. Four days. Mm-hmm. A week, probably. About right. 30 hours. 30 hours, yeah. Um, so anyway, today we're going to introduce you, and then also we're going to kind of talk about the process of what learning to love the master is and how you got into that, and we'll go there. So why don't we start with who is Patty Seepin and how did you meet Jesus? Okay, good place to start. Um, I'm a Montana girl, born in a mining town. Um did not grow up knowing much about Jesus Christ. Um, I had my own theology from bits and pieces that were thrown at me as a child and um, drew some conclusions. When I I went to nursing school in Denver, Colorado, when I left Montana, I um, lasted in that for a year and realized that was not my calling. Um, I really cared about people, always cried when I heard ambulances because I wanted to be on them to help people, but hospital work was not my calling. Hmm. Um, Through a series of circumstances, I moved into a Christian boarding house where there were 30 women who knew Jesus Christ and one who didn't, and that was me. But I thought I did, so it was a revolving door of women coming through my room talking to me about Jesus and how I could know him. Um, But I like to argue, as you well know. And so um, I kept defending myself in terms of explaining why I was a Christian. And so they took me to a Youth for Christ rally. All 13 of them, or at least there were 13 that took me to the youth, this Youth for Christ rally, where I couldn't argue, I just had to listen. And the man talked about whether I was, a, you know, whether my life was a solution or a problem. And at that point in time, I disappointed my parents by leaving nursing school. I, um, I had been engaged, that engagement was not going well. Um, nothing was going well. I had a long list of problems and a very short list of solutions. And when so as I'm listening to that, I won't go into the long detail, but I was overwhelmed by the mess I'd made of my life. And I just said, Jesus, 
um, I can't do this. I want to put my life in your hands, and I need you to take it and make it be what it's supposed to be, make it be a solution. Um, I'm not sure that's when I actually came to Christ, or that was when I really began to understand what I was interacting with. But that's my story. There were a lot of navigators in my Christian boarding house who came alongside and said, you'd like to memorize scripture, wouldn't you? And you'd like to do Bible study, wouldn't you? And you'd like to go door to door in Denver University campus, wouldn't you? And you'd like to witness to everything that moves. And I was really excited about God, and I'd always wanted to know God. So that's kind of how I came into this, and those women took me under their wing for a lot of years and uh, discipled me. So fast forward, you got married to my dad, John Seepin, and you had children, three of them, me, my brother Joel, and my <laughs> brother Wes. And you fast forward into like uh, early 80s, you and dad trained under Larry Crabb and Dan Allender. But you pop out of that, like, and you're in Tucson, and how does learning to love the master and counseling and all the things that you began to do that help people like step into this calling. How did that happen? How'd you get there? How did this all develop? Like, and you can, I skipped over a lot of your history, excuse me, Not a problem. <clears throat> but, uh, maybe you could just kind of get us into the beginnings of like why, uh, you saw soul care and discipleship and mentoring and, and the formation of people so important and how this mm -hmm. ended up being developed. Mm -hmm. Well, I think my spiritual gift, um, lends itself to caring for people's hearts. So um, I did a lot of that. Your dad started to hand me um, people to counsel, and pretty soon I was seeing somewhere around 20, 25 a week with a waiting list. And one day I um, had a young woman, and after a few weeks of counseling her, I realized I don't think what she needs is a counselor. Right. I think she needs a mentor, someone who will come along and help her grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was in a church where there were a lot of really strong, mature Christian women. So I went to a lot of them and said, I have this young woman who needs to be discipled, who needs to be mentored, would you do that? And Eric, without exception, even one missionary who'd been on the field for 40 years, they said one of two things. I don't know what to do, or I don't have anything to offer. And I thought, we need to do something about this. We have a problem. Um, and I actually, um, I was talking to God about that. And um, I heard the Lord say, we need a mentoring program. And I thought, but the women have to be trained. So I went to the women's director, and she'd been praying about that, but she hadn't been willing to do anything because no one had stepped forward and said, I'd like to train women to be mentors. Right. Um, so I proceeded to, I'd been discipling for 33 years, counseling for 11 years at that point, and I decided I would teach a class on mentoring and put those two things together. And on, the, But the PA system broke that day when we were going to announce it. And on the way home, I heard the Lord say, that's not what I asked you to do. Hmm. I want you to take 12 women. I want you to interview them. I will give you the program. And what came out of that was... Two significant things. The first one, 
um, was First John one three, that that which we have seen and heard, to clear we unto you, so you also might have fellowship with us. For truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And the second one was the people I talked to, many of them were not doing the things that they would build into the life of someone to strengthen their walk with Jesus Christ. So I realized that it had to have a head side and it or it had to have um, an experiential side because these people need what what have you seen and what have you heard? Because what you've seen of God, is different than what I've seen of God. I mean, the biblical plumb line stays the biblical plumb line, and the Word of God stays the final authority. But you've had many different experiences where God has stepped in, but you haven't really taken note of those because you've been on the path living a life and not really paying attention. Um, and then the other thing was, I need to help these people build into their lives the things that were built into my life. So... <clears throat> with the what have you seen and what have you heard, um, I decided we just need to tell our story. And I chose journaling, and I asked them to journal their story in dialogue form with God, talking to him, telling him their story, asking him where he was, what was he up to, what was he doing. And then the other thing is everyone had an accountability partner. And I gave them the Navigator Topical Memory System to Mary. Mary, me, excuse memorize. me. Memorize. Thank you, memorize. They, Their accountability partner was their prayer partner. They were to pray once a week with that person. Um, I had taught them how to do a dialogue devotional journal and had them reading through the Bible in a year. Um, and then they were meeting once a week to hold each other accountable and to do those things. So those two processes were built into their lives. When I walked into that first class, God told me to take 12 women. 12 women stepped forward, three from another church and nine from El Camino Baptist. And we had, I had no idea where we are going. I, I had this map these instructions, I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, probably the thing that was the most stunning for me and for all of us was as we wrote our stories, and then what we did is we came back. So we did that during the week, and then we came back and we read our stories to each other. And there was no way that 12 people could get through um, their stories in two hours. We had two hours. So Whoever left off, the next person would start, and we just kept going around. Well, the thing, it, our vision of God absolutely exploded because we were listening to stories of where God showed up in the lives of people who didn't even know there was a God. I had, when I was a little girl, I had no idea that there was a God. No one had ever talked to me about God. There's one incident, probably the most stunning for me in my story, is I was about, I think I was in the first grade. My dad had sold his business in Montana, and we were moving to California and bought a business with my sister and brother-in-law, my half-sister. And my mom and my little brother had gone out there 
to work the business while my dad stayed back in Montana and sold his till the business was finalized. And I discovered paper dolls and I was cutting I'd steal a quarter from my grandma's purse and walk across the street to this little I mean little street, little store, bought a buy, buy a box bag book of paper dolls. And I then I would meticulously cut them out and they were my children. And I put them in Kleenex box beds <laughs> and I had their wardrobes and I as but what I realized is in there wasn't a lot of love in my family. My family was a very wounded. My dad had been in, or, in a wicked orphanage. My mother's father was an alcoholic and beat her mother uh, until my dad came on the scene and put a stop to that. Um, and so there was very little love to go around, and everyone was very stoic, very British. Um, and I'm loving these paper dolls, and I... When I'm writing my story and I talk about the feeling connected to those paper dolls, and I'm and and the love that I'm feeling for these paper dolls, when I'm writing my story, I realize that the feeling of those paper dolls was the feeling that I now knew was the voice of God, and my experience of God. And what I realized was even though I didn't know there was a God, he was totally connected, pursuing, teaching me the sound of his voice so that when I finally came to know him at 20, um, I already knew the sound of his voice. I did not know that. I didn't know it till I wrote my story. Hmm. So now we have all these women who are doing the very same thing, hearing God in different places in their story. One woman, when she was four, she would put her Barbie dolls in a circle, like around a breakfast table or a dinner table, and then she would have each one pray around that table. No mention of God in her home, no church, no Bible, no anything. All we could figure is some neighbor invited her to a meal and they said grace and maybe everybody in the family prayed, but her heart was connected to the Mm. God. So just story after story after story. And our vision of God absolutely exploded in the context of community. So it wasn't just one person writing their story and discovering God and experiencing that joy and being overwhelmed. It was 12 stories Mm. being told and such a variety of things that God places, you know, like God will take anything, absolutely anything, um, and use it to make us aware of himself even when we don't know that he exists. So that is the story of learning to love the master. It has evolved into just the God story piece where we do retreats, God story retreats. Um, But a church on the other side of town, Kathy Creviston um, at Northwest Bible, um, the year after we piloted learning to love the master, she asked for the material, which was in folders and all over the place, um, it's in a book now, thanks to you <laughs> and your dear wife, Susan. Um, 
she started she wanted to build a mentoring pro- program in her church and she was the director of women's ministry so she they piloted learning to love the master in their church they did it over a two year period they met every other week so that women had enough time to write and she did that for 10 years at Northwest Bible and i was at a i don't know some social gathering um, where a woman was being honored who'd come back from somewhere else and had worked at the journey. And it was, uh, so she was there, and her best friend from kindergarten was at that party. And she went to Northwest Bible and had done learning to love the master. And she came up to me and she said, I want to tell you nobody, and her friend was standing next to her, nobody who knows me would ever say or believe in a million years that I would mentor young women. And this morning, seven young women came, dragged me out of bed, and took me to Carl's Jr.'s, who at that juncture would give you a free breakfast if you came in your pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) And they were women who were in her Learning to Love the Master group. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so story after story of women who, one of the girls at El Camino, she said, I just saw myself as Susie Homemaker without anything to offer. And she said, I realized when I wrote my story what God had, what I knew about him. Mm-hmm. And she's from very quietly, she just began to disciple college students at her kitchen table for years. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that that. I think that little moment when God was like, all right, interview to 12 people, and uh, seems very, uh, very Jesus-like, your 12 disciples. <laughs> yes, yes. The apostles of the uh, learning to love the master. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, you know. Just... And so, I mean, that was in the mid-80s and progressed, but it has now become a retreat, and people do it. I, I think it'd be legitimate to say that people do some form of it in all different places of the country and in yes. different parts of the world even have done learning to love the master. Yes. Um, in Africa, um, my friend did it with, well, her husband. It, it's been a progression of how it got from folders. And then at some place, a woman said, well, I'll put it on my computer. Right. And then my friend, um, Ed Statler, uh, who was a missionary in Senegal, said, I want to take that back and use it as a mentoring program in my seminary. Well, I said, you know, it's on some woman, woman's computer. <laughs> and Ed went to her house, called and said I, he was there for four hours on her computer. She didn't know him from Adam. She was rather distraught. And I had just met her, so even right, I right. couldn't. Took it off there, put it in some sort of usable form on his way to the airplane to go back to Africa. He stopped at my house and handed me this booklet and said, here, you've got some sort of usable form. And it transitioned until finally um, you said, this needs to be in some usable form. And you and Susan took it and put it into its, uh, yes, she organized it and... (laughs) linked yeah. it all together so that it, it yes flows. yeah so it's done and then it was put in french and it's in um a friend of mine took it to colombia uh, she had been a missionary in colombia okay. with the navs so is it, is it in spanish too? and it's been done in in russia um i believe it yes it is in spanish not the not this form okay by any means <laughs> but some form of it yes. is in spanish and i have the french copy okay. somewhere on my shelf okay so, um, 
So that's how it got started. Mm-hmm. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, is do you want to dive into a little bit of what's going on in it, um, or do you want to wait for some other point? Like, or I didn't realize how far we were going. How far do you want to go? Um, um, I can go wherever you want me to go. You know, I can, I can talk about. I think the significant thing, and the thing that I introduce. Um, the first night yeah, of let's the go retreat. There. I think that would be good as like a introduction. Yes. Yeah, we can like end there. So why don't you give me kind of what you go into. Okay. Okay. So the thing that um, stands out to me um, on the cover of the book is a picture of Jesus sitting over Jerusalem um, lamenting, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I longed to gather you around me under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks and you would not. And what I hear there is the Ancient of Days sitting on the mountain peaks of eternity longing for his children to come to him. We suffer the impact of the fall and we grieve it. But we aren't really clear on what we lost and God is clear on what he lost. In the grief of how often have I longed, would it cost him to create us in his image? I think creating us as image bearers was the most difficult decision the God of the universe had to make because it gave us choice because to be like God, we have to be able to choose and finite beings cannot handle choice. So he knew from the get-go what it would cost him, what it would cost us, the horror that would ensue, and yet obviously um, that was worth it to him. So I'm really extending God's invitation to each person who comes to learning to love the Master, and your father does that for men, um, and I think Steve Yeagley helps him do that. Um, inviting them to respond to the how often have I longed. Because I read that verse and my response was, Lord, may I facilitate that for you. Um, and it comes out of when I, there's a study in here. Um, it was originally piloted by a navigator group in Ruth Dindler. Um, led that group, and it was called God is Love, and God Loves Me, Who Am I? It's in the Learning Child of the Master um, under God is the Lover of My Soul. I did that for six years with women, groups of women, um, and to, it completely transformed my life in my understanding of how God felt about me and his heart toward me. And that was when I said to God, because it was overwhelming to me. Um, I mean, I'd been a Christian for six years by the time that study fell into my hands. Um, And I had no idea. I could, you know, I'm a good dancer. Um, I don't mean with my feet. I mean, but when I came when people began discipling me, it's like, 
oh, you want me to memorize three verses a week, and you want me, me to witness to everything that moves, and you want me to do Bible study with people. Um, I can do that. Will you love me? And I quickly became the star convert, but nobody said, what's going on in your life? What's really happening? Where are you? Um, and I was a mess. But I looked like I was fine. So I really, I had just changed paradigms where I'm dancing for the to figure out why my parents are frowning all the time and depressed and it must be my fault and trying to figure out how to get that right. Now I have a new plumb line. So now I'm going to try and bring my life alongside that. So it wasn't until I began to do the study on God's love that I really, when I realized and understood that I did not have to dance, that God was, I was loved unconditionally and unconditionally meant just exactly that, unconditionally. I remember in seminary, I was second, they gave us these assignments. They saw our strategies to try and please and figure out how to get the love from people we wanted. And uh, my pattern was, especially in this one class, it was a four-hour class with three breaks. I would get up at the beginning of the break and go talk to somebody and ask them some questions and get them talking um, so that I the light wasn't on me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second semester, they made me get out of my seat, stand in the middle of the room all by myself. And if someone came up to talk to me, I was only allowed to say hi. No one ever came up to talk to me. They all, we all had our crazy assignments that were dealing with how we handled relationships. Halfway through there, I'm like, I'm done. Lord, I'm not walking away from you, but I am done with trying to minister. I, I'm this horrible, terrible, awful person, and I'm never going to get it right. And the Lord said to me, Patty, what Dan Allender has seen about you is new to Dan Allender, and what... Larry Crabb has seen about you is new to Larry Crabb. And what the interns have seen about you is new to the interns. And what you've seen about you is new to you. You'll, I'll cry when I say this. But, I, but it's not new to me. Hmm. And it, hasn't it doesn't change anything. I am still going to do in and through you everything I had planned. And it was like, really? Yes! You know, I had no idea. It was a 180 for me mm -hmm. where I began to um, really actually walk in um, the Bible study I'd done all those years. Hmm. Wow. So that's kind of the beginning yeah. of so the content. For yeah, so that's, that's, that's a lot. That's uh, the beginning of the invitation to step into this more... Uh, this deeper relationship with Jesus and this deeper walking with him. And it's a very powerful thing. And the whole plan, at least from my perspective is to begin to like have this all, um, in audio form so that people can have access to it. So I'm excited about our conversation as we go. And I'm excited about these podcasts and, uh, we're going to do a lot of content. Because we have got learning to love the master, we'll probably talk about ideas you engage in in Potter's Wheel, and we'll set up a lot of stuff. So it'll yeah. be fun, a fun conversation. 
Um, thank you, Mom, for being willing to do this. Thank you for initiating it. Uh, I would never have initiated. This is this is like <laughs> Greek to me. But you got a mic in front of you and headphones. On. I know, I know, and all the other parts of this, I have no clue. Right. So I'm very grateful yeah, that you thought of it. Yeah. No. This is this is really exciting for me to uh, begin to document the the wisdom of my parents. So I'm excited. Thank you. Uh, show you guys off. Well. Thank you guys, and uh, as podcasts come for- go forward, we'll give you more information about how you can connect to us and, and ask questions and, and connect to Learning to Love the Master retreats and all those kinds of things. So thank you for listening to our initial podcast. Thank you for listening to the Journey Companion Ministries podcast. If you would like to know more about Journey Companion Ministries, you can go to www.journeycompanionministries.com.